It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Vikings. As always, I'm your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. I'm on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. The show's Twitter is at LockedOnVikings. You can, of course, find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, whatever you like. And if you don't like podcast apps or if you just don't like scrolling through your phone because maybe you're a, a listener on your morning or evening commute, then you can always just ask your smart device like Siri or Alexa or equivalent, play podcast Locked on Vikings. It'll take you right to the most recent episode. And today I want to cover something that's going to happen later in this week. This is probably not going to be news, but I'm going to preempt it anyways because you should at least be keeping an eye on it and paying passing attention. On Thursday, and uh, I, I record the Thursday episode on Wednesday night, so I won't be able to address this if something does happen until next week, which is part of the reason I'm doing this, there is the NFL annual supplemental draft. It is kind of a forgotten little ceremony that goes on after the real draft, and the reason that it gets forgotten is because it is very seldom used. In fact, there was like a five-year stretch where no players were acquired via the supplemental draft. And just in the last couple years, we've had some, and now it's kind of alive again. And this year, there projects to be two players actually drafted, and there is as good a chance as any that the Vikings are one of the teams that go there. So let's talk about whether or not the Vikings should and define what the supplemental draft is if you're unfamiliar with it and how it works. Let's just go over the whole thing so that if the news does break on Thursday, you know what the heck happened. So starting off, what is the supplemental draft and how does it work? If you are not that diehard of a football fan, you may not have even heard of the supplemental draft. So here's basically the situation and there are two players who are in this exact situation and this is kind of the point of the supplemental draft. Say you are a junior in college, you just finished your junior year and you are uh, intending to go on to play your senior year in college football. But then something happens over the offseason. In this case, it's a couple of uh, substance, banned substance policy violations, and your final year of college eligibility is stripped from you, and you are pretty much only there to play football. So instead of just going through kind of a lame duck year of school and, and not playing football for a whole year, the NFL will let you declare for this extra su- uh, supplemental draft it occurs well after the real draft because oftentimes these decisions are levied after a player would have had to decide whether or not they're declaring for the real draft. Like if you don't declare for the real draft uh, and you like make that decision and then you find out that your senior year of eligibility is gone, you kind of go like, wait, well now I guess I'll take my chances in the NFL if I'm not going to play my senior year at all. And so the supplemental draft is kind of giving people the chance to like change their mind in the event that they lose their senior year of eligibility or in other like weird kind of wacky cases. And that's kind of why there's very seldom uh, players that end up in this. This isn't for players who didn't get drafted the first time. This is for players who didn't declare in the first place, but then something changed between then and now. So the way the supplemental draft works is at its core the same way the real draft works. The players are uh, listed in order from worst to best, you know, Cardinals and 49ers and Jets, etc., and they select whoever they want. But in the supplemental draft, you aren't given another round of draft picks. You are instead, if you want to take somebody in the supplemental draft, you have to give up that same pick in the next draft. So if you want to take somebody in the first round of the supplemental draft, you have to give up next year's first round pick. 
And so, unlike the real draft, you can just pass. You can say, I'm not interested in any of these players, and I'm not going to pick anybody in the first round. I pass, I forfeit my supplemental draft thing, and I'll keep next year's draft picks in next year. So what you usually end up seeing is every team doing that. You just go kind of pass, 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 pass. And it is, again, like I said, not uncommon for that to happen throughout literally the entire draft and for no team to ever select a player or ever give up one of next year's draft picks for a player this year. I think there's kind of a market inefficiency here, and this has nothing to do with the players I'm about to talk about. This is more of a general thing. But I kind of think that there is... Uh, an exploit to be had with the supplemental draft, assuming that there's a player that you like enough to draft in the first place. Think about the real draft, and anytime you see a trade between different years, where one team will trade future picks to get picks right now, whether it's you know trading up in the first round, or trading from one round to the next, or or kind of like the, the trade that the Vikings made actually a few years ago with Miami, I think it was the 2016 draft, they traded their third round pick for a third and a fourth in 2017. So there's kind of a value rule of thumb that applies here and essentially anytime you see trades between years like that a pick next year is roughly worth a pick this year one round down so if i wanted to trade 2020 picks to make a third round selection in 2019 i would have to give up a 2020 second or equivalent value to get it not all trades obviously are going to follow this exactly but this is generally the the, the ballpark And that kind of makes sense, right? You get an extra year with the player and there's a little bit of value to that. There's kind of a tax on that, right? If I am going to take a draft pick that I have and delay it and and not get a good player with that draft pick for one more year, I kind of want to get a little bit of something in return. I want to move that up and have some value. Otherwise, I'm going to say no to the deal. So in the supplemental draft, you don't have to pay that tax. You don't have to pay that like service fee or whatever you want to call it. If you want to pick a player with a third round pick, assuming that they are a third round caliber player, you can do so with a third round pick in the next year and you can get that extra year essentially for free so if you think that there's any value in in spending another year with the team and basically instead of having their senior year be in college their senior year is with nfl coaches and learning your playbook i mean you could redshirt them and still have there be value and you are giving up less for that to happen so I think that the supplemental draft does represent value. The thing is, there are rarely ever any players in it at all, and if there are players in it, they have to be worth it to you. So you kind of have to be like willing to draft those players at the slot that they're probably going to be drafted anyways. But I think if you are, then the supplemental draft is a really, really efficient way to acquire talent. Beyond that, because there's usually some red flag or some odd situation accompanying these players, and the idea that you, you know, you've kind of been in the mode of like acquiring undrafted free agents and nobody's in CFL guys and AAF guys for the last couple of months, these players are kind of seen as lesser value. So teams will actually underdraft them a little bit. A player that maybe uh, would have gone in the third round if they had just declared for the normal draft will get taken closer to the fourth round in the supplemental draft just because of the way that 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 teams value draft picks and the way that they think about it so there's even more inefficiency to that I could probably get the same caliber of player in the supplemental draft for a fourth rounder next year that if I tried to get that caliber of player in the real draft and and trade next year's picks to do so I probably would have had to pay a second so there's like a good disparity there and, and that's why I think the supplemental draft is a good option assuming that there's talent there that you want to acquire so I'm, I'm going to step away for a quick second and go to an break and when I come back we'll talk about that question is there talent here to acquire who are these two players why are they not in the real draft why are they in this weird thing and should the Vikings acquire them we'll talk about that in a second hi this is David Locke the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network in this crazy unprecedented and unnerving 
time. I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash LOCKEDONNBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. All right, welcome back. So the first player that is likely going to get selected in the upcoming supplemental draft, he's from Washington State, he is a safety, and his name is Jalen Thomas. So he was heading into a senior year as a pretty big prospect, and his expectations were high. He might have been one of the better safeties in the the country, and therefore was probably expecting to be drafted, though he did decide, you know, I'm not going to declare for the draft, I'm going to go back to school because I think I can do better after my senior year. And then he goes to a nutrition store and buys a supplement that happens to be banned by the NCAA. Total mistake, and he made a point to make it that it's like not a steroid or like a performance-enhancing drug or anything. He just bought something that he didn't realize was on the list, and he should have known better. Absolutely, totally his fault, and I get it. But the NCAA revokes his final year of eligibility. He can no longer pay play for Washington State, and he hires an agent and decides, I'm going to go into the supplemental draft. That's the kind of situation that we're often dealing with here. It has nothing to do with his ability on the field, seems like just a young, dumb kid made a young, dumb mistake and didn't pay enough attention and then got caught with something that he shouldn't have had in his body. It doesn't seem like a deliberate cheating effort or like some problem that you're going to have to worry about, some big red flag or anything. And I kind of get the feeling that NFL teams realize that and that he's just going to get drafted as though it were he, he were in the regular draft. His projection, I'm going by the Draft Network like I did with all of my uh, pre-draft content. I think the work that they do over there is great because it's in a group and and I respect all of their opinions. In this case, the write-up was written by Benjamin Solak, so if you have any problems, go yell at him. But I trust his opinion on the tape way more than I'll ever trust my own, so I'll just relay relay that to you. And according to Ben Solak, he is a pretty good man corner. He reads plays very instinctively and he kind of gives... He has that same acuity, kind of like what we talked about with Mackenzie Alexander yesterday. This is a big strength of his, where he knows how to read a play, knows how to react, and he can play off and then, you know, jump around and and be generally quick about that. And that's pretty good because that means that rookie growing pains are going to be that much less painful for him. And honestly, that's one of the most difficult things about cornerback play is kind of that that delicate balance between not getting beat deep, you know, not committing too hard to the inside break or to the curl or whatever, not trying to jump the route too much so that a double move can just torch you, but also not playing so far off that they can just kind of do whatever they want underneath and catch, you know, seven-yard balls on you all the time. And, and Jalen Thompson, Jalen Thompson, I think I've been saying Jalen Thomas earlier. That's incorrect. It's Jalen Thompson. I apologize. Jalen Thompson is pretty good at that, and and that is enough of a strength 
to get him like a second or third round grade in a lot of places. So he's going to go and, and somebody's going to give up a real asset to get this guy. Now for the weaknesses, there's three things that Ben Solak points out. The first one is that he doesn't have a lot of experience in a zone scheme. Washington State, they play a lot of man coverage, so playing zone would be difficult. This is the first of, of these three reasons, and I think they're all really big dings for specifically the Vikings. Because the Vikings, they play pattern match concepts. That is to say, a kind of melding of zone and man, where you pick up a guy in your zone, but then once you've got him, you do man-to-man type technique. And while I think Jalen Thompson can do that, and, and it seems like he's capable of doing that, his experience in pure zone schemes is a little bit limiting. There might be some additional rawness there. And the the next thing I want to talk about, and I think this would specifically irk Mike Zimmer, and I, I think Zimmer really doesn't like this kind of thing, especially in his corners, is that there's like a real lack of physicality with Thompson's game. Uh, he uh, has really poor tackling form. You know, he doesn't get down on. He doesn't. He he do, needs to be taught how to tackle, and that's a really big transition when it comes to the NFL because you're going to be dealing with wide receivers like you know Devonte Adams and guys like Julio Jones and you know guys that need to you need to tackle them properly to get them down. They're big guys. And especially at the safety position, if you're going to be asked to go down in the box, which every safety in Zimmer's defense is, you need to have that tackling form. And and Ben calls it like a latch and drag rather than, you know, hitting him with authority and using physicality and really like embracing the violence and the contact of football. As a safety in a, in a, a Viking scheme under Mike Zimmer, you have to embrace that violence and that contact. And it seems like Jalen Thompson is is more content to just get him down and give up the extra three yards and just kind of grab on and hang on until the guy falls over. And I think that that kind of thing is really going to turn Mike Zimmer off, especially when you're talking about, you know, spending a second or third round pick next year on this guy, the the value might not be there. And the third thing stems from the same kind of issue in it's that he doesn't disrupt very well in press coverage. Now, the Vikings play a lot of pattern match concepts, which uh like I said is something that that I think he can probably pick up mentally, but a lot of that is kind of bump and run. It's it's a lot of uh, you know physicality at the line of scrimmage. This is what Trey Waynes is just like the god at. He was amazing at this in, in the 2015 draft, and it was the reason he was the first corner off the board that year. Uh, and he's always been really good at press, at not letting the cor- the wide receiver get off the line of scrimmage without having their route disrupted a little bit. In NFL offenses, there is a lot of timing to it, especially with younger quarterbacks that that you know the game hasn't quite like slowed down for them yet. I think this would be really important against like a Mitch Trubisky, for example, that you kind of need to have a rhythm and a timing to it. Quarterbacks need to feel it out. Okay, I kind of you know beat, 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 throw, and they kind of get almost like a musical timing to it. And if you throw that rhythm off, it can ruin the whole play before it even starts and make it easier for you to cover the guy because he can't quite get the same leverage. And, you know, if you if you push him and, and push him off of his leverage, you can get your hips turned around and, and get running and get accelerated, and they can't burn you and, and punish you for playing press and therefore not giving him any cushion. So press coverage is really, really important to what Mike Zimmer does uh, schematically. Maybe that'll be an episode someday. It's, it's just like, let's explain Mike Zimmer's defense. But suffice it to say that press concepts are really important to him, and the fact that you'd have to teach him how to tackle, teach him how to play press, and teach him how to play zone. I, I don't think that Mike Zimmer wants that in a corner that's six foot and like 180. You didn't have to teach Trey Waynes that much stuff, and I think I, I don't think that he would be very interested. So I don't think the Vikings are going to go for Jalen Thompson. 
Um, I, I think that, you know, they had like the value would be there if you're somebody that doesn't hold that many concepts that dear, you know, if you just want somebody that can play off man and, and be pretty shut down from there and be a good CB2 like that, or, or, or if you have a situation where you have the patience to teach him what you need to teach him and you can give him that physicality and make him gain weight and all that stuff, then that's great. And I think somebody is going to do it. I don't think that it's going to be the Vikings. But maybe I'm wrong. I mean, what do you guys think? I know that a lot of people are really excited about Jalen Thompson. So, I don't know. Tweet me. Tweet at LockedOnVikings or at LukeBronNFL. And, and let me know what you think about Jalen Thompson and if the Vikings should take him. I say no, but I don't think that that's true for every team. So, I am going to step away before talking about the next supplemental draft player. Uh, but before I do so, I need to talk about the sponsor for this show, BlueChew.com. Fellas, intimacy is important. And I know that this is weird to hear from, from your favorite sports podcast, but it's something that you should take seriously. And just because your body maybe can't keep up the way that it used to or the way that you wish it could, doesn't mean that you should shirk intimacy entirely in a relationship. That is what Blue Chew is for. It's blue like the color blue chew dot com slash lock l-o-c-k-e to try their product it is the first chewable tablet of its kind and its kind is like viagra and cialis they have the same fda approved active ingredients so you know exactly what you're getting into and no it is not just for men of a certain age who are maybe past their prime it's for any guy that wants to improve their performance in the bedroom like I said, it is a chewable, which means that it works twice as fast as a pill. So when the moment's right, you don't have to wait as long before it kicks in. And it is shipped directly to your door, which makes it cheaper than a pharmacy. And it is also shipped in a very discreet box, so there's no awkwardness or embarrassment. Do yourself and a partner your f- a favor. Check out bluechew.com slash lock, L-O-C-K-E, like the Vikings old punter. Bluechew.com slash lock. Try it out. All right, moving on. So the next guy that I'm going to talk about has been touted as like a third or fourth round prospect, like a late day two, early day three, Alexander Madison range player. He's a wide receiver out of West Virginia. Both the guys in front of him got drafted and he was the third guy in a pretty insane West Virginia offense. Uh, The quarterback, Will Greer, got drafted as well. So he was a part of and contributed a non-zero amount to a pretty insane offense. So as far as I could research, I couldn't find out some of the details behind Sims's uh, eventual loss of his extra senior year. But his situation is very weird and kind of enshrouded in mystery. Maybe it's because I failed at Googling. Maybe somebody can enlighten me if they know, if there are any West Virginia fans that listen to this. Uh, but here's what I do know. So in uh, West Virginia's bowl game this year, Sims, quote, surprised the coaching staff by not playing with an injury. Apparently he had a hamstring and he held himself out and the coaches were surprised by it. So that just off the bat is a little weird and, and I feel like there's something else going on there but I don't want to recklessly recklessly speculate too much on this show. So I'll leave it at that. He he held himself out of the game with a hamstring injury and the coaches were surprised about that. So then he entered the transfer portal. So like there definitely was something that he didn't like about being at West Virginia. He wanted to, to uh, finish out his college career somewhere else. And he kind of went dormant for a while. And I think just he didn't tr- get transferred to anywhere. So he was just like stuck in limbo. And then he decided he was going to declare for the supplemental draft. So again, has nothing to do with his on-field ability. There was a weird injury and maybe something else is going on. And if you're an NFL team, you probably want to look into that and ask some coaches and figure out what, what in the world happened there in case that there's, you know, any indicators of red flags or anything like that. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt for the purpose of this and say, no, it was just a hamstring injury and communication got weird and and it turned into more of a kerfuffle than it needed to be, and he decided to transfer for his own reasons, which he 
he's well within his rights to do, and it did work out, so he's going into the supplemental draft. Let's let's give that best-case scenario and operate under that assumption for now so that we have a good enough reason to talk about him on the field. Oh, I shouldn't leave out that there was also an alleged uh, violation of the West Virginia Code of Conduct, but schools tend to keep that stuff very close to the vest, so we'll never really know what that is. Uh, but suffice it to say that, that something went wrong between Sims and, and uh, West Virginia, and now he's trying to enter the NFL. So at West Virginia, Sims was basically asked to be the deep threat, the, the Aldrick Robinson of their offense. And that is something that the Vikings happen to need. You, they, they don't really like sending Diggs and Thielen out on those really deep routes, even though I think they can win just fine, and I think they should be far more comfortable with it than they were last year, where they turned Diggs into like a short yardage, you know, yards after the catch, Golden Tate, Jarvis Landry type. But I digress, frustrations aside. They really chose to send Aldrick Robinson down the field last year, and that didn't work out great. Aldrick Robinson did catch some touchdowns, but going over, I, and maybe I'm biased because I was looking over the last few games of the season a lot lately just for various little film projects and Twitter things, and if you've been following me, you kind of know that I've been looking at those games a lot, and there were a lot of examples of Kirk Cousins heaving one down the field to a covered Aldrick Robinson deep who didn't get separation, and therefore it's a really difficult throw, and the throw wasn't accurate anyways, and they weren't on the same page anyways, and it was it was a really difficult thing and really that that process needs improvement and I would imagine that those problems were a big reason that the Vikings didn't decide to retain Aldrick Robinson or even offer him a contract. They didn't even so much as put something on the table for him. So they do definitely want that that deep player again. And they've acquired a lot of wide receivers at, at kind of discount prices. A couple of seventh rounders, you know, a couple of, they've got their Chad Beebe and Brandon Zilstra and Jordan Taylors and guys, you know, we've gone over all of those guys. They're all kind of discount bargain bin options. And Sims, who is projected as like, I guess, a third or fourth rounder, is going to be, if, if he entered that group, he would probably be a front runner for the wide receiver three position right off the bat, just based off of the assets spent to get him. Now, when push comes to shove and it's actually time for week one, that won't hold nearly as much weight. But when we start training camp, he'll probably have really good pole position just because everybody else is kind of bargain bin. So he'd get opportunities on the team. That was another thing about Jordan Thompson. I don't think he'd get that many opportunities as a safety. I don't think he would beat out the guys that are already there, where I think that Marcus Sims has a better chance to beat out the guys that are already there. And that's probably going to go for any wide receiver versus any safety. So he did very well at, at the deep ball thing. Uh, he produced very well. He, he was a very efficient deep target, which is very good. You know, deep targets are naturally inefficient. So you, when you get an efficient one, like that can really pay a lot of dividends. Uh, and he was also very slippery. That's the way that Brad Kelly, I, I'll link all these uh, write-ups in, in the show notes so that you can read for yourself. Uh, but the Brad Kelly also at the, the Draft Network wrote a, a very glowing review of him and said, that, you know, he's slippery. He's very good at making the first man miss. And that's kind of the other thing that the Vikings need in a wide receiver three and are really missing. Right now, I think a lot of plays are going to be designed to go to Dalvin Cook. Uh, it, you know, those plays where you pass it short and then hope a guy, hope you make a man miss. That's all getting... Uh, getting thrown to Dalvin Cook right now, and they don't really have another good option for that. Diggs can make a guy miss. Adam Thielen's okay at making a guy miss. Kyle Rudolph absolutely cannot, and I don't know about Irv Smith, obviously. So, like, those of the, the main players, and then whatever random wide receiver three happens to win the battle, I'm not relying on them to be, you know, yards after the catch, but missed tackle generators either. So having a missed tackle generator, generator as your wide receiver three would be awesome. 
he also has experience returning kicks, and that's something that the Vikings are going to kind of need, especially with questionable status on Mike Hughes, who they drafted in the first round, largely because of that reason. So they'll need to, like, juice up that competition between Amir Abdullah and whoever else. There is definitely a place for a guy like Morgan Stills on this roster, and because of the market inefficiencies that I detailed earlier in the episode, I actually could really see this working out for the Vikings. Now, I can't remember if the Vikings have ever even made a supplemental draft pick. I know that they definitely have not in this era of management, and I don't know if Rick Spielman ever has in his entire career as an NFL decision maker. So I I am not out here saying like, you know, watch out, the Vikings are going to draft a guy. Probably not. There's 32 teams and somebody's going to bid on him and maybe somebody bids a little bit higher on him. But I think if he's still there and you're in the fourth round of the supplemental draft, I'd do it a deep threat that can force missed tackles and that you get an extra year with versus, you know, whoever you would have taken with that pick in the actual 2020 draft. I think there's a lot of value to eke out there and and I I would do it if I were Rick Spielman. I am not Rick Spielman and maybe, you know, after seeing them in minicamp and OTAs, which I did not attend, I have not seen them play outside of, you know, whatever was posted from a random journalist's phone or from, you know, the the VEN like little cut-ups. So I don't know, maybe they watch somebody like Chad Beebe or Dylan Mitchell, and they went, now we're fine. We've got our wide receiver three. We totally like these guys. But in the event that, you know, like I've said a lot on this podcast, every player represents a range of outcomes. I like his range of outcomes, especially when you put it up against the range of outcomes of everybody else on the roster. I really think if he did come to the Vikings, he'd have a good chance of playing significant time right away. And even if he doesn't, you used an asset that you weren't even supposed to have access to yet. So I'd do it. All that said, we'll have to wait and see what happens when Thursday comes and it's the actual supplemental draft. For now, this is going to be the last word that I say on that, and I will, if if something happens, I'll pick it up on Monday. But I will see you tomorrow and we will talk about some other stuff. In the meantime, you can always find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can find this show on any podcast app you like. And if you don't like podcast apps, you can always ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. Again, I will talk to you all tomorrow. And as always, skull. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked on Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked on NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer, to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked On Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked On Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.